0: This week on the Docs to Dads podcast, we are talking about the fun part of leaving a legacy. Usually discussions of legacy involve financial planning that's boring for some or coming to terms with the fact that we're all going to die someday. But today we talk about the ways that you build a legacy in your family with your kids by sharing your joy with them, sharing your passions, sharing your hobbies. Join me this week on the Docs to Dads podcast.
1: Hello and welcome to the Docs to Dads podcast, a health and wellness resource for any dad looking to actively engage with their health, the health of their children, and building a stronger, healthier community around their family. Each week, Dr. Scott, a board-certified pediatrician, will explore topics relevant to child health and how dads can be an active participant in their growth, development, and other issues that affect children and the whole family. Hello and welcome to the Docs to Dads
0: podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Scott Grant, and I am very excited to have you here with me this week. I appreciate you coming back. If this is not your first time here, if this is your first episode, welcome. Uh, I'm so glad that you're here. I hope you find uh, a lot of useful episodes uh, in the stream. Check those all out. Uh, I am here to help dads make the most of their fatherhood journey. Uh, And this week, I want to talk a little bit about some of my reflections from when my family and I were on vacation Early last month, we took our kids out West uh, and we went skiing, which was a lot of fun. And we're going to dive into some of the sort of takeaways that I had as I was uh, reflecting on that uh, experience, both while we were there, as well as afterwards. As you are listening to this episode, it is the week of my birthday. I am officially in the latter half of my 30s and, you know, something changes as with birthdays, as you get older, uh, you start to think about them a little bit differently. Um, I still like my birthday. I enjoy celebrating it. I think, you know, it's always better to have a birthday than to not have one, generally speaking. As you get older, I think you start to think about the time that has gone by a little bit differently and how are you actually using that time? You know, am I doing the things that I want to be doing? Am I spending that time with the people that I want to be spending it with? Is any of the things that I'm doing with that time making a difference personally, professionally, in my family, at work, at church, in all the different relationships and capacities that I work in, is it making a difference? And once I celebrate my final birthday, which hopefully is many, many, many years into the future, am I going to leave something behind that will leave a mark on my kids and will help my kids live meaningful and happy lives with their own families? This is something um, that we that I've talked about quite a bit on on this podcast. We've been we've had some episodes recently about leaving a legacy. And a lot of times these conversations about leaving a legacy include discussions of like financial arrangements, like making sure that you have a will, making sure that you have life insurance, if that's appropriate for your situation, these kinds of like sometimes nerdy. Some people think they're kind of boring discussions. Uh, I recognize that they're super important and I tend to nerd out about them more than others. But, you know, certainly if you don't have a will, you don't have life insurance and you're a dad, especially if you have young kids, like you should probably look into that. And that's probably something that you need to get figured out. But that's not what we're talking about today. A few weeks ago, episode 65, we talked with a gentleman named Blake Brewer, who's on a mission to get a million dads to write a legacy letter to their children to give them encouragement and a guiding light and get dads to share with their kids that they love them uh, and sort of share some of those emotions that sometimes can be a little bit difficult for dads to share in the moment. Not all dads, but some dads, I think. It's a little bit easier for them to express those things uh, in writing or to not have to necessarily do it face-to-face because they weren't raised sort of learning how to express those emotions well, those kinds of things. Definitely go check out that episode uh, if that strikes an interest with you. That's also not what we're talking about today. Those are certainly important, and I think that those are deeply meaningful ways to leave a legacy for your family in different ways. And So please go check out the episodes related to those things uh, if that's something that you want to talk about. But those don't always feel fun, right? They're certainly important uh, in the moment. But there is another way that I was thinking about while I was on this vacation with my family, that we can leave a legacy that has the possibility to sort of ripple through future generations with tremendous impact. And it doesn't feel quite as heavy. In fact, it's, it's fun. It's sharing our passions with our kids. It's teaching them to love some of the activities that bring us joy, some of the things that we love doing. These are um, the activities that we can share together as a family to sort of make these memories. And if we do it right, then sometimes we, you know, we'll get those memories passed on to future generations or those activities will become so ingrained in our family identity that when our kids grow up, it becomes part of the identity for their new family that they start to, to raise down the road. And so, That was really something that came into focus for me when we were on this skiing trip last month. And what really triggered it was this photo that I captured while we were on vacation. And it's one of definitely my favorite picture that I took on the trip. It's one of my favorite pictures that I think I've ever taken. And what happened was I got, as we were going through on the ski lift, You know, there are only so many people that can fit on one chairlift. And so we were going through with my wife and my oldest son and my father-in-law. And I were sort of going through on the chairlift to go up the hill so that uh, my son could practice coming down again. And because only three people could get on this particular chair, this round through, I sort of let the three of them go forward. And then I sat on the chair behind them. And so I found myself in the chair right behind the chair that had my father-in-law, my wife, and my son sort of sitting there. And so it's three generations of ski-loving folks on the lift together. And you can just sort of see them like talking. And and my father-in-law has got a smile on his face. He's really excited to be there uh, with his daughter and grandson. And it's just really a special moment. And it's a special picture that kind of carries this idea that I'm trying to talk about uh, with it. And so my wife grew up skiing this is something that uh, her parents enjoyed doing uh, together especially her dad really enjoyed um skiing and so for my wife and her three brothers that love for skiing got passed on you know they took a lot of family vacations growing up where the purpose of the vacation was to go someplace where they could go skiing usually somewhere out west in the Rocky Mountains, uh, my wife can be a little bit of a Rocky Mountain skiing snob, but uh, she's earned that right because she is a an excellent skier uh, in her own right, and so she's really uh, wonderful. and And she and her brothers grew up on skis, literally. From there are pictures and videos of them as young as age two, and maybe even a little younger, on skis learning how to go down the slopes, and so that was always going to be the case. For her kids, once she started having kids, and they were old enough to stand up, basically, they were going to be on skis, learning how to go. So on this trip, you know, both our four-year-old, our oldest, and our two-year-old, uh, were on skis, learning how to get around, and they they really loved it. It was so we had such a fun time, and so I'm I have this picture of the three of them on the ski lift, and it's just so hard to tell which of the three people, you know, having lived that moment, you can't necessarily see this, see it from the picture because it's a picture from behind of them on the, on the ski slope, but it, it's hard to tell like which one of the three of them was the most excited to be there. You know, whether it was my father-in-law, my wife, my son, they just all were having so much fun. And there was, you could really see the way that this love for skiing and this family activity, this thing that brought my wife's family together on so many vacations as like a fun thing for them to do together was now rippling down to the next generation. And now my wife's family with me and our kids, now we are starting to teach our kids about how much we love skiing, just as one example, right? For me, like I did not grow up skiing. This is not something that I had ever even thought about. It's not something I ever even really... Put any thought into like, is this something that I would want to do some someday? It was like one of those things that people did. I wasn't particularly excited about like cold weather and snow and these kinds of things. Anyway, I do love the mountains, but I prefer like green, luscious, foresty mountains, not necessarily like white, snowy mountains. Um, So it's not really something I had ever even thought about. But it became very clear to me. As I started to develop a relationship with my now wife, as we started dating and we kind of got to know like what are the most important things in each other's lives. Obviously, we talked a lot about values and our goals for our our future careers and our future families. But we also talk about like what are our mutual interests? What are the things that we love to do? And it became very obvious very quickly that skiing was something that was really important to my wife. And that was something that I was going to have to figure out how to manage, right? regardless of my input, if we were going to get married and we were going to have a family, we would be taking vacations where we skied. So I pretty much had the choice to either learn how to ski or relegate myself to like hours and hours sitting in a cabin waiting for my family to come back because everybody else was going to be skiing. I suppose it's a testament to where I thought our relationship would hopefully eventually land. And, and now that in hindsight, looks like it's gone well. So I decided that I was going to learn how to ski. And so my wife Uh, taught me how to ski and sort of shared that infectious love of skiing with me first. And then we passed it on now to our kids as they're getting older. Um, And so now pretty much every winter that we can, we're finding ways to, to go skiing if if we can now skiing is just sort of one example of this. These don't have to be sort of big uh, expensive hobbies that we share um, it can be other like little moments, you know, it can be, you know, being in the kitchen, making an important holiday meal, uh, you know, for uh, our family, we have Easter coming up this weekend as you're listening to this, you know, another important sort of holiday tradition around Easter specifically is there's this particular type of bread that my wife would make uh, with her family and they would make like decorate little, they call them Easter dolls, right? And so you would like make the the bread dough into like the shape of a bunny or a shape of an egg or the shape of a a person. And then you would decorate it with like raisins and sprinkles and different things like that and then bake it. And then it becomes this like holiday bread uh, that you eat. And that's part of the Easter experience. Right. And so that's another sort of family tradition that's really meaningful to us now in our family that we can pass on to our kids. And we've started doing that in past years with the Easter celebration, and we're we're certainly going to try to do that again this year. For my side of the family, you know, one of our big family traditions every year revolved around Christmas time, and we would go out to a farm out in East Texas, and we would uh, cut down our own Christmas tree. So we'd go out there, and we'd look at, you know, all these different Christmas trees that this family had lovingly grown and harvested over years and years uh, for families to use as their Christmas tree celebration tree and we would go out there and we'd cut that down and now uh especially during years where we're not traveling around the holidays you know that's another thing that now you know my wife and I will do we'll take our kids along they're not quite old enough to help cut it down yet so I still have to do all of that unfortunately but eventually they'll get older they'll be able to help man that saw uh and cut down our tree for Christmas as well and then you know even smaller things than that like obviously you know, you have hobbies that you enjoy doing. Uh, there's holiday celebration things that are, are become traditions for your family and you do this, but it can even be even more basic stuff like going out and shooting hoops in the driveway or fishing off the pier at the park or like other smaller kind of day to day activities. But the more important that activity is to you, the more meaningful it will be that you're sharing it with your kid and hopefully the more important it will be for your child. And so that's kind of what I wanted to talk about today is like, what are the ways that we can share some of these activities with our kids in a way that will be meaningful for them, that will allow them to feel like they're part of the family? You know, this, these important activities, these joys that we have become part of not just our own identity, but part of our family's identity. And our kids want to be part of that. You know, I talked a little bit on last week's episode about how kids, part of their sort of natural desire within the context of the family, is to contribute to the family's overall well being and finding little ways to do that. And certainly we talked in last week's episode a bit about like doing chores and those kinds of activities that are sort of contributing to the household. But I think this goes hand in hand with that conversation as well. Like how do we bring them into the life of the family, help them start to take on some of our family identity by doing some of these fun things too, right? Like our family identity is not just that we clean the house every week. Our family identity is not just that we are making mashed potatoes for dinner. Like there are bigger aspects of our family identity that we can share with them and make them part of. And so I just wanted to share kind of a couple of things that came to my mind related to the ski trip that I think could apply more broadly to some of these other ideas as well. A couple little like tips and stuff. The first tip generally is that you have to want them there, um, which may seem a little bit glib, but, you know, especially if this is an activity for you, that is usually your time to sort of get away from the rest of the world and just be by yourself and sort of think in the quiet, you know, I'm thinking about like fishing. I know my grandfather uh, loved to go fishing and he would take us out with him. And I'm sure that when he brought us with him, actually, both my grandfathers liked to fish and I went fishing with both of them, you know, and I'm sure that that experience was less peaceful for him when we came along than it was when he would go by himself. And so there were times that he would still go off like by himself to go fishing because he still needed that time. And so you have to be okay, that the experience is going to be different and probably less peaceful and less reflective potentially when you invite your kids to come along, because they're going to be interested, especially if you are sort of making this into a big deal. This is one of dad's favorite things to do. And I really want you to be a part of it. And I want to teach you how to do it. And I want you to, to be able to come along with me when I go and do this now. You know, they're going to ask questions. They want to be going to want to be a part of it. They're going to do things wrong for the first several times before they start to sort of learn how to do it well. And so it's going to take patience and you got to stay in that moment and really try to bring the joy and bring the energy, even if it's getting a little bit frustrated. You know, they need to be ready, but you need to be ready. It's going to come to you to sort of make sure that that experience is as positive as possible because it can be frustrating sometimes. And so it's going to fall on you to make sure that they don't feel like a burden um, especially when they're very young, right? Because if they come along and you're just like frustrated with them the whole time because they're not doing it right or they're not doing it the way that you think they should do it or it's not as peaceful as you want. Like, I just want some peace and quiet. Like, it's okay to still go do some of these things on your own if that's part of your normal routine. But when you invite your kids along, make sure that the focus is on them and helping them learn this skill or, or do this thing and then, Find other times to go and do it by yourself if that's what you want to do. Tip number two is prepare them ahead of time. So before we left for our ski trip, we would watch videos from a couple of years ago when we took our oldest skiing for the very first time and sort of let our older two sort of watch these videos and say, oh, look how good he's doing here. You know, he's slowing down, he's stopping, he's turning, all the things. Um, we have some books about learning how to ski, like picture books for kids that, uh, we picked up, we watched some YouTube videos and then we would show them the safety equipment that we had bought for them. So you could see like, look, here's your helmet and here's your gloves and here's your, uh, you know, all the, all the things that they're going to wear while they're skiing. Cause it's all stuff that they wouldn't otherwise wear during the course of a normal day. Right. And then we're showing them like, how do we stay safe? And we're reviewing those things as we're driving up the mountain, you know, to say like, how do we stay safe and what do you do if you think you're going to fall and how do you do the pizza to slow down if you think you're going too fast and all and just sort of talking through those things ahead of time so that it's not the first time they've heard it when they get up there because it's going to be a little bit overwhelming for your child because it's a new thing that they're just trying to learn how to do and they know it's important to you they don't want to let you down they want to make sure that they're doing the best that they can and so the more you prepare them the better off they're going to be so You know, where are they going to be? What is it going to look like? What is the safety equipment and other like tools or devices that you're going to be using? You know, what is the step in the process So talking them through, for example, for skiing, either getting on the magic carpet or getting on the ski lift. And mom and dad are going to help you with that. And grandpa and your uncle are going to be there too, to kind of help out in all the ways that they can um, to just like all, we're all doing this as a family together. And this is what to expect. And the more you can do some of that ahead of time, the more smoothly things are going to go. Tip number three is break the activity down into manageable chunks. So don't commit to needing to do the activity for a set period of time, especially a particularly long time. Like you might be able to ski all day without any problem, without any breaks. You know, my my wife and her brothers can definitely do that. They just disappear and they're gone for, for hours and they're having a, a good time. And, uh, you know, they can do that. Or you might enjoy fishing quietly for hours on end, regardless of whether you catch fish or not, you just are enjoying the the peaceful nature, the habit of, of casting and reeling and these kinds of things. But this is not how your kids are going to experience these activities. They're going to need some kind of feedback or some kind of process to like, like, we're just trying to get down to the bottom of the hill. And then we're going to get back on the chair and we're going to ride the chair back up. And like, that's as much as we're committed to. And then if you can incentivize that in some ways, especially, you know, while we were skiing, we would have like little M&Ms or fruit snacks or those kinds of things, just to like keep them going and incentivize them a little bit if they did a particularly good job sitting nicely on the chairlift or getting to the bottom of of the mountain and doing their turns and their pizzas, you know, those kinds of things. Then you can break it down into these, manageable chunks and especially the first couple of times that you do these activities you're going to be sharing them with your kids but you should always plan that like worst case scenario if it only lasts a couple of minutes that's okay and if you prepare yourself emotionally for that on the front end you'll be slightly less disappointed if it actually happens most of the time kids are going to do well especially if you take these steps to prepare them so they know what to expect and they know kind of how the process is going to go but every once in a while, it's going to happen. They're gonna not going to do well. They're going to not enjoy it the first time they try it because they fell down or something like that. Um, and so you want to try to be as positive about that as possible and reassure them that they can get back up and we can try it again. But they may not be willing to try it again right away. Right. They might have a meltdown because they're tired or they didn't eat their lunch like they were supposed to or all the different things. Or they might get scared because they're going down the hill on their skis and they get going a little too fast and they're scared that that's going to happen again or they fell down and they're scared that that's going to happen again. You want to try to find a balance here, but it's better, I think, to cut out a little early and like let them settle down, take a little break, and then come back out again another time. That way you can sort of keep the experience as positive as possible and you can kind of look back on this with a positive attitude and say like, oh, we had so much fun and, and really try to build this up as something that we're enjoying doing in so much as that's true. Uh, and, you know, this can be a frustrating reality sometimes, especially when you, for example, pack up your entire family of five and you trek halfway across the country to go and do something and then to have things kind of fall apart on you uh, when you've maybe paid a fair amount of money to have yourself or the kids be able to do this thing but even in those moments is important to at least sort of take a pause step aside take a little break figure out another path forward because forcing them to continue when they don't want to in that moment is going to just make things worse and is going to make it even harder to get them back up on the skis or participating again in that way and so sometimes it's as easy as just taking a little break like let's just go sit in the lodge for a minute regroup a little bit, get some water, get a snack, and then let's get back out there. You know, um, And so just starting with that becomes useful. And that sort of is related to our our final tip, which is whenever possible, quit while they want to continue rather than continuing when they want to quit. And so take that break. If they're asking for the break, try to give them those those treats to keep them motivated and those kinds of things. But try to get to a place where you can anticipate what's going on and how they're doing emotionally they're going to be a little more tired maybe after doing these things it's going to take a little more mental or physical energy than they're used to putting out and and it might even be different from day to day so like with our experience skiing there are some days out there on the mountain that are cold and windy and there's snow falling and it's it's a little bit unpleasant even for us as adults you know i don't i don't know that my wife or my brother-in-law have ever seen a uh, ski day that they didn't love. But for those of us who aren't like 100% hardcore committed to it, you know, there are certainly days where you're like, this is less fun than the other days, right? And then you have other days that the other days, which are sunny, calm, beautiful, you know, they're still cold, but they're not as unpleasant because the sun is out and the wind's not blowing as hard. And it's just a little bit more pleasant. And so there might be days where it's just not happening. And the kid's like, melting down. I'm like, why am I sitting here with snow blowing into my face and I'm I'm cold? And no matter how many layers I put on, I'm still going to be cold. And it's it's frustrating and it's just not happening. And so as much as you can, like try to do the activity, you know, as much as you can, even if things aren't ideal, the conditions aren't ideal, but you definitely don't want to get them to the point of like full meltdown before they go. You want to try to like get out of there while there's still a little bit of energy, a little bit of positivity going on about the activity. And so the way that I was thinking about this was just like when we're having conversations about discipline, for example, like it's really important to take a long-term vision, right? Like discipline is less important about like what's happening right now and how do I stop this activity, this bad behavior that's happening right now and focusing more on what's the long-term value that I'm trying to teach to my kids to help them understand why this is a bad choice and they shouldn't make that choice again. This is sort of the inverse of that, right? Like how do I help my kid in the long term love this thing that I'm trying to teach them to love? And and certainly there are going to be activities that you love that your kids just aren't going to love and it doesn't matter how much you like pour into them and try to teach them how to do it and all these kinds of things like it's just not going to happen. It's always worth a shot and I think that we should always try to bring our kids along in all of the things that we uh, love that are reasonable to have them participate in. But sometimes it's not going to happen. But if there's any hope that it will happen, and usually with fun activities like skiing and fishing and cooking and these kinds of things, like it's definitely possible that you can teach most of your kids to love these things. But it's only going to happen if you're taking that long-term vision. Like We're trying to build positive memories now of doing this activity together as a family so that when we talk about maybe doing it again next year they get really excited and they're like yes i remember doing that and i was so you know excited to do it and i want to do it again right that's that's what you're trying to shoot for it's not about any one day having them be filled with bliss because they're not going to remember that one day if it ended with like a huge meltdown. Right. Or if more days end in meltdowns, than in positive, you know, feeling like you wanted to keep going, but the lift is closed. And so we have to go home. There's no, there's no way to keep skiing. Uh, it's all done. And that's sort of the legacy that you're leaving behind is that sense that like our family identity, part of it is that we enjoy doing this activity together as a family. And I want, I love this thing and I want you to also love it. Now, no one day is going to mess that up, right? Like there are going to be days where your kids just aren't having it and they're melting down and things are not great and you're going to take the break. You're going to go sit in the lodge and no matter what you do, they don't want to go back out. They're not having it that day. Like that's fine. Just cut your losses. We'll move on. We'll try again another time. Um, And don't let that one day discourage you one way or the other. But also remember that no one day is as important as bringing them along on that journey for the fun activity right helping them fall in love with that thing that you love and what we want our family to do all together that's the idea of like trying to quit while they're still interested in doing more if you can and noticing when like uh oh, maybe we're just about to run out of energy maybe we're starting to get a little bit of hungry we're like a little less excited about getting on the chairlift, a little less excited about following instructions as we're going down the hill, those kinds of things. Then we can, you know, take our break or end our day at that point. Even if they say like maybe they still want to keep going, like I think it's time for a break, you know, then sometimes you just like put that on yourself. Like dad's getting a little tired. I need some water. You know, I need, I need a little snack. So let's go inside, get a little snack and then we'll come back out if there's still time and we still want to go again but leaving them with that idea that like we're leaving but I wish I could stay behind is a piece of advice that we got that I think that I mostly agree with. And I'll say part of that is it's a really fun thing. Like one of the one of my personal favorite days on this trip that we just took was a day that at the end of the ski day, my oldest uh, my son and I were doing the bunny hill together and my wife and her dad and her brother had like Gone up the big mountain to do all the like double blacks that I can't do with them and that they love doing. Um, and so they left just me and my son behind to do um, this little hill. And we we're going up the chair. And I was like, I don't know, buddy, this might be the last one. It looks like they're about to close it. And he was, he just looks up at me. And he's like, Can we go down fast and see if we can do one more time? And it's like, how do you say, how do you say no to that? So uh, we went down in a controlled way, but a little bit quicker than we ordinarily would. We didn't practice our turns quite as much uh, on that time down the mountain just to try to get there. And we get there and the, the lift operator is like putting the closed sign up. And I think the poor guy never had a chance. My son looks up at him and he goes, one more, please, one more. And the guy was like, yeah, you couldn't do one more. He never had a chance. So we jumped on one last time. I think they, they let one more family on on behind us. So last chair is one of those like trophies that you get as a skier that sort of proves that you're a, a hardcore skier uh, if you get on the last chair of the day. And so uh, we didn't quite get there, but he was just so excited and he loved it. And we got back down to the bottom. He was like, one more. And they like had already shut down the lift. It wasn't moving anymore. And I was like, yeah, yeah. It looks like they're all done now. Uh, and, and so he was like, man, I want to get, can we come back tomorrow? And that's, that's always what you want. You know, we had days, uh, on the trip that were sort of dedicated to be like adult skiing only days. And the kids were going to stay behind with grandma and grandpa. But when everyone woke up that morning, as we're eating breakfast, the kids were like, we want to ski too. We want to ski too. And you're like, how, <laughs> you know, this is what we wanted from this trip is that our kids would be so excited about skiing that they would be asking to come along. And so some of those days got transitioned from like half day adult skiing to and half day family skiing, as opposed to the full days of of just adult skiing that they were originally scheduled to be. And uh, it just was such a joy to to just share that joy with them. And again, you know, I feel really <laughs> happy about this. And I've only been skiing, you know, for, I guess I met my wife initially, not quite 12 years ago now. Um, and so I've only been skiing right around 10 years, uh, maybe a little longer than that. <laughs> and that's like intermittent skiing, you know, like maybe three or four ski days a year on average over the course of that, um, 10 year period. Um, we certainly have had some missed seasons. So, you know, I'm only partially invested into this thing. My wife has been skiing since she was my daughter's age and, You know She's got hundreds of days of skiing uh, under her feet, and she just was over the moon ecstatic about all this. And so that that is the goal. And so if you can keep that in mind, even those little frustrations that you run into along the way, where the kid's not listening, they're not doing what you ask them to do, they're not doing the things exactly right, it helps give you a little patience when you're focusing on the long term, right? You're not worried about really what they're doing right now. You want to try to do the best you can in any one moment, but... You just want them to like have a fun time and be there together as a family. And if you can get that done, you're going to be in a much better place. I do want to add here as we wrap up this episode that sharing your passions with your kids is one way to leave a legacy that will ripple through the generations. And I think that's really important, but you may not want to only do the activities that you already enjoy. Um, So you may find yourself uh, in an experience as a parent where your kid discovers some activity that either you haven't tried yet, or maybe you tried before and you didn't particularly care for, um, but they really want to explore and they want to lean into. um, And taking time to lean into those interests and those passions of your kids is another important way to sort of build those memories as a family. And maybe one of those new activities is going to be something that will turn into a regular thing For you and your family at some point in my wife's family, somebody had to go skiing for the first time and they loved it. And then since then, it's gotten passed on from generation to generation that they're a family who loves skiing. Right. And so for my family and my family tree, as far as I know, nobody in my family on either side, my mom or my dad, uh, has a particular affinity for skiing or has ever even been skiing. I, I didn't grow up around people who talked about like how great it was to go skiing. So in my family tree, I'm that person and I'm the first person in my generation, you know, in my family tree that has fallen in love with skiing and now we're going to pass it down, you know, by merging my family tree with my wife's, right? And I think that's true of other things as well. And so you may find yourself with an opportunity to explore things that are interesting to your kids and you might find yourself loving those. You know, I, I've talked on previous episodes and I'll probably do a full episode dedicated to this, but... You know, my son loves the freighters that go around on on the Great Lakes here in Michigan. And he can look at them and he can tell you the names of them and he knows where they go. And, he, you know, they have all these funny names like Ashtabula and Manitowoc. And his favorite is the Alpina, you know, and they have these silly names. so he can say all of them. You know, there was a while where he couldn't say the word medicine, but he could say Ashtabula. Um, so I don't know what to make of that exactly. But that has become kind of part of our our thing. So like Father's Day a couple of years ago, we could have done anything, but we went up to the St. Clair River and we walked along the boardwalk and we just watched like four or five different boats go by and we pumped our arms, they'd honk the horn. And it's some of my most favorite memories as a dad, being with my son while we're watching the boats go by and honking our horn and 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 all those kinds of things. And if you had asked me Ten years ago, if that was something that I would ever do with my kids, i I would not have thought that was even possible. I had no knowledge or interest in Great Lakes freighters at all. I didn't even wasn't really aware of that as a concept of a thing that you would be interested in, right And it's only because that love came from my son that now we include that in trips that we take and we make special trips to like you know go out of our way to go see a boat if if that's what we need to do, right. And so now that's become part of our family identity as well and there's going to be other things along the way he might be less interested in boats down the road and find some other things that he's interested in but just being part of that and like letting everyone contribute the activities that they love um, be part of that will be part of that legacy that you leave for your kids part of that legacy that gets passed down through the generations from you to your kids uh, and hopefully to subsequent generations as well I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to this episode of the Docs to Dads podcast. I hope that you found it useful and encouraging. Uh, and I hope it'll help you as you're thinking about sort of some of the stressors and the anxieties of like taking your kids on vacation. It's not easy right now. Everything is, is really difficult and it can be really stressful to think about taking your kids on vacation and doing these kinds of activities with them um, and sharing those things. But I just want to encourage you that it is worth it, and and you should pursue it, and and hopefully these couple of tips and reflections from our vacation uh, will be helpful for you um, as you do that. Uh, I'd love to the chance to connect with you, um, especially if you're a new listener, but. Even if you've listened to a lot of episodes, if I don't, if I don't know you personally, um, I would really enjoy the opportunity to, to chat with you. And, and that usually happens best through social media. Um, so you can find me on Instagram or Facebook at Pod, or on LinkedIn, just my name, Dr. Scott Grant. Uh, or you can send me an email at docs to pod at gmail.com. I'd love to connect with you there as well. I want to say thanks as always to Phil Rabon, the producer and editor of the Docs to Dads podcast for just being here, being part of this journey with me and for making these episodes sound so great for you each week. Tune in next week where I will be answering an SOS that I got from a family about what to do when kids are misbehaving uh, and they're, they're hitting or they're screaming or those kinds of things. Like what do you do in that moment? How do you respond? Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about a couple of the key things to think about um and i'm gonna try to keep that episode a little shorter so it can be listened to almost in an sos type situation like you need to step away and you've got just a few minutes like can i listen to something that's going to help me like collect myself and and go so um hopefully you'll find that episode helpful until then remember that what you do as a dad matters it can be hard sometimes but keep building healthier
1: dads happier kids and stronger communities thanks so much The information included in this podcast and other Doxadad's platforms is intended for your education and entertainment only. It is not intended as medical advice and should not replace a relationship with a primary care pediatrician or other provider who will give the most appropriate recommendations for your individual situation.